0: Welcome to episode 17 of the Golfing Secrets podcast. Um, Thanks for tuning in and listening Um, in this week's episode. So, um, quite a bit really to cover off. I'm going to sort of talk about a little bit of uh, some of the stuff I've been doing to try and improve my own golf um, a few ups and downs uh, this week we did have a long bank holiday yes another one uh, in the UK so uh, I was able to play quite a bit of golf um, which is which was nice um, but I've also done a few other bits and pieces so uh, we'll get to that uh, as, as we go through but uh, in this episode I'm going to really cover off cover off some of the results from um, from the world of golf I suppose i also going to talk about what what i feel is well i'm 100% positive that this is the most important thing that that any golfer who's maybe struggling with their handicap or or just struggling with golf in general this is the most important thing that you can work on um And anybody can work on um, to improve your game period that's it's it's as, it's as simple as that uh, and so we'll come on to that uh, a little bit later. Um, I'm also just going to talk a bit about clothing in golf and I suppose. Golf Clothes and the Future, I suppose. and um, So we could talk a bit about that. And then uh, for everybody that stays through to the end, um, we've got another free uh, giveaway at the end for anybody who sort of makes it through to the end. So um, that's um, what we've got in this week's episode. So uh, let's get to it. So the big question is this. How do regular golfers like us, who have jobs, families, and very little spare time, how do we improve our golf and lower our handicaps? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name's Paul Gray. Welcome to Golfing Secrets. Okay, so thanks for uh, tuning in again. Uh, just some of the results, uh, sort of around the world of golf. So we had the uh, Charles Schwab Challenge um, on the PGA Tour. We had Emiliano Grillo won that in a playoff. Um, now going into the final round, there was a, a guy called Harry Hall, which a lot of people probably wouldn't have heard of since then. He's um, he's a rookie on the tour, has played in the on the Ferry Tour when well, I couple of times on there the corn ferry tour is the sort of the entry tour into the pga tour over in america um And um, he's this is his sort of rookie year. Um, He's had some some good results and um, was actually leading um, the after the first three rounds. He was leading going into the final day. um, Leading on, he was two shots ahead. Um, Didn't have the best of Sundays. um, Finished tied third with Scotty Scheffler. So still a a bit of a feather in the cap there. But um, I think. Yeah, I think obviously he would, would have been disappointed. It just shows how, how difficult it is to win on the PGA Tour really and how to sort of close out. It's very difficult to win from start to finish um, or be leading from start to finish on any tour, um, let alone the PGA Tour. And there's so many good players that can, can shoot a good score. Um, but interestingly enough, on the Sunday, it wasn't it wasn't that anybody shot out lights out scores and 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 sort of trump the field really um it was it was a tough sort of sunday the wind had got up it was the first time the wind had really been up during the week and it was making it hard for people to to sort of hit greens it's not a very long course um, so you had to sort of quite accurate. The the rough was certainly quite penal. Um, reminds me of my own course um, here here at home at the moment. But um, um, so it was good. It was a good Sunday. Good finish. Um, obviously, I was, I was I was was sort of airing for him to, for Harry Hall to sort of win it. I would have liked to him another Brit to uh, to have got a win. Finished tied third. He'll get he'll get lots of um, obviously he's automatically into the next round. Anybody who finishes in the top ten in a PGA Tour event automatically. Ashley gets entry into the following week's events so he'll obviously get entry into that but as a, he, he has already got a, a rookie card anyhow so so he's got plenty of um, plenty of um, tournaments to uh, to go on um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about him later on when I talk about um, the most important parts of your game. Um, some interesting stuff from, from him. And um, But as I say, it was a really good tournament to watch. Uh, so Pablo Larrazebel won. He was, um, um, I think he was eight under. Um, or in fact, he, he won it on the playoff with um, a guy called Adam Schenk. And uh, they were both at eight under. And he won it on the. I think it was the second playoff hole. Um, but um, some real good consistent golf, um, and his passing really sort of shone out at, at the end. Um, and he just hit more greens, I think, really overall. But uh, so that was the um, that was the PGA Tour. Um, DP World. I haven't got DP World uh, events. I'll try and find those before the end of um, of this uh, of this intro. Um, on the LPGA tour, they had. It was called the um, the Bank of I think it was the Bank of um, Hope um, tournament, uh, which was I'll find the details. Um, it was the Bank of Hope. Yeah, it's the Bank of Hope um, uh, tournament. It's a match play event, so uh, knockout competition. Um, Irish girl Leanna Maguire was doing all right. She got through to the semi finals, but then got knocked out by a lady called Ayuka Furu. But the tournament itself was won by now I'll I'll probably get the name wrong, but I'll I'll try. It's Pajari Ananaru Khan. I think that's right. Um, She won. It was her second win um, on the LPGA. Uh, Actually, her first one this year. Her last one was back in 2019. Um, But she she won that. So, she beat uh, Ayaka um in the final and um yeah, so again, another, another match play event. I think ladies do seem to have quite a few uh, match play events. Uh, the men's schedule doesn't, doesn't have that many. I have to say, I did quite like watching some of the, uh, the match play events. It's, um, it's just a different sort of way of doing it. But, um, but that was the LPGA. Um, live. there was Harold Varner III. He won uh, on the Live tour, um, and that was in D.C. or Washington, D.C and the team that won the event was the talk golf club so for those that aren't really that au or understanding what live golf is so this is the new sort of breakout tour where a lot of the top stars from the pga tour have sort of transferred over to this tour there's big money involved and all of that stuff and there's a whole heap of of controversy around it and um, i'm not going to go into that this week um but um in not only is there individual events, there's a team event. So each of the players belong um, or a part of a team. Each of those teams are given some you know, sort of way out their names. I think there's there's the talk golf club, there's Smashers, um, Smashers is the Australian team. I think um, there's four aces, which includes uh, Dustin Johnson um, and a, a lot of other teams, uh, they all belong in those. So there's a team event and uh, an individual event. Now, um, Talk Golf Club won it this this uh, week, and as I say, Harold Viner the third, he won the individual event. Now, it's it's actually his first win on American soil. Um, his other wins that he's had have been in Australia and Singapore, I think. Um, but it is his first win on, on American soil. So it's obviously sort of good for him. He gets a nice hefty check. I think it's $4 million for winning for winning uh, the tournament. Um, and obviously it's only over three rounds, so not, not bad work if you can get it. But uh, he, he won on that now in terms of things coming up uh, over the next week, um, I think it's the Memorial Tournament on the PGA Tour. Uh, DP World I'm not sure. Let's just check on that. So it's the Porsche uh, European Open on the DP World Tour. The the last uh, the last event was the KLM Open and uh, now the Callum Open was won by um pablo lorazabal um did i say he won the other one i think i did i think i got them mixed rounds so the pga tour was not pablo lorazabal uh, pga tour was Emiliano uh, miliano grillo um uh, he won the um the pga tour event and pablo lorazabal won the dp world tour event um <clears throat> so um which was which was sort of good for him. Emiliano Grillo is the Argentinian um, who won the PGA Tour event. Um, and so um, apologies for that. I would uh, got my uh, got my names mixed about to be fair with a lot of these names. I do get them mixed about. So uh, apologies for that. Um, and that's really it. in terms of results. There's no live tour event until something like the end of June. So that's a bit disappointing, but as as I've said countless times on the um, on the podcast, yeah, the coverage of, of live for me is is quite poor. Um, it's quite difficult to follow it and watch it, and um, just it's just a pain, um, and it's a real shame because I think I might be able to actually sort of start getting into it. Uh, if the coverage was better. But um, but that's the way it is. Um, I can't really impact that, so uh, we'll have to wait and uh, watch this space on that one. But uh, so just to just to clarify then, the Charles Schwab Challenge on the PGA Tour was won by Emiliano Grillo in a playoff with Adam Schenck and um, the Brit Harry Hall, he came tied third in that event with Scotty Scheffler, so up there with the, with the best of them. LPGA, we've covered DP World Tour. That was Pablo Larrazabal. Now he'd actually been playing on in the PGA um, Championship the week before, so he'd come over from America. The um, the DP World Tour event that had been held in uh, in the Netherlands. So he'd, you know, bit of probably a bit of jet lag after the the PGA Championships, which he'd actually finished fairly high as well. So um, you know, he's he's obviously playing well um, whether or not he's is he a, is he someone that may get into the Ryder cup team don't know probably for another podcast that one but um we'll, we'll wait and see um and that's it in terms of sort of all-round results from the tours uh, in terms of my own golf this week so um managed to get out a couple of times this week um first round was was a bit disappointing and to be honest i i I turned into the angry golfer this week um seemed to be i got really frustrated very very quickly um which was which was a bit disappointed and and i know it impacts impacts my game if, if i do get like that um but i then you know came home had a chat with the other half and um and she sort of Gave me gave me advice and um, and said that I should, should play music between shots, uh, which was an interesting take. I'm not sure that's allowed, but it um, uh, was definitely something she I should chill out and play music between shots. But um, um, I didn't do that, but I did go out and play again um, and actually end up winning uh, on the on the Sunday. So um, and it was actually probably the most relaxed I've I've ever played. Um almost and, and in fact I, I set a target at the beginning of the round not to swear um, and there were a couple of tiny expletives but overall was pretty good so i'm hoping to try and take that into the next um the next round that i play and just really try and hone in on or not getting so frustrated uh so quickly um you know at the moment the course is playing quite tough and um Yeah, so it is making scoring difficult Um, and I'm going to do a podcast specifically uh, to do with WHS or the new WHS um, handicap system uh, or the world handicap system. I'm going to do a podcast on that because some interesting stats and things that are coming out from it now um, and there's the old adage of it used to be that people used to sort of say, to you know that most people if, if their if the handicap is correct they'll only shoot to their handicap one in five is is a sort of bit of a rule of thumb. Now, um if that's the case, then with the old system I I'm you could almost guarantee there would be several players that would win on a f- somewhat more regular basis than that, or at least shoot their handicap. Um, and when you look at the leaderboards at our golf club, there, you know, there would certainly be regular names coming up and people shooting quite well into their into their handicap. Whereas now, under the new handicap system, plus with the course playing a bit tougher. It does feel a little bit more realistic that people are sort of shooting to that sort of one in four, one in five um, to their handicap. So it's probably helping to maybe make handicaps a little bit more realistic. um, Which so it's going to be interesting to sort of see over the coming sort of weeks and months how that sort of that that sort of goes really. Um, And certainly sort of my handicap, it's taken a little bit of a hit recently, Um, but. I'm hoping that will sort of start going back down and and in the right direction as sort of get used to playing the the course as it is now as it is that bit harder. So um, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see. But something for maybe for another podcast uh, in the future. And that's really it, I suppose, for for this week. Or oh, one other thing, I've started another putter refurbishment. Um, so. Um, I've uh, I'll put some pictures up when uh, when we've got to the end of that. I may even do a video on that one uh, going forward. So um, just so you can sort of see some of the stuff I'm doing to uh, to sort of refer putters. So um, anyhow, that's it uh, in terms of sort of news for this week, I suppose. Um, and on to sort of one of the main pieces for this week, really. And that's this I've, I, I titled this, this as the most important part of your game period now um i talked about harry hall who played on the pga tour this week um a name that's not particularly known um but actually in terms of sort of stats this year um since the start of this playing year now the playing year for um, the pga tour it actually starts after the fedex cup playoffs um, or after the Ryder Cup, if there happens to be a Ryder Cup that year. Um, so it actually starts at the back end of the previous year, previous calendar year. Um, now, since the start of that, he's actually sort of been up there fairly close to the top 10 for this particular part of, of, um, of his game. And it's a part of the game that I think is is the most important part of the game for 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 most high handicappers um now if you're if you're you know teens and above you know above 10 as as a handicap i think this can be the most important part of your game to work on period and that's putting now why do i say that well if you think about it in this way the golf the golf swing is a is a complex thing it's um it's very much a lot can go wrong with the golf swing. Um, It's, you know, there's 101 different parts moving in the body when when you're swinging the golf club. Um, And it has to be absolutely bang on um, to to hit a good shot. You know, everything has to come together at the right point the club has to be facing the right way you have to swing it at the right pace with the right rhythm you know and and in the right way in order to get the ball going where you need it to go um and that that's a difficult thing in itself, Um, no matter how good a golfer you are, we've all seen it on the telly, you know, even even the top golfers, you know, they hit their duffers occasionally. And um, so if you're a high handicapper, it it, it can be difficult to to get your swing to a point where it is that much more consistent. However, with putting, if you think of it this way, if you were to pick up a tennis ball, just in your lounge or whatever, and you were to throw it towards your sofa, you know, to aim towards a pillow or something on the sofa, then if you can pick up that tennis ball and just throw it to somewhere near your pillow on the sofa, that's pretty much all of the technical ability, the most technical ability you're likely to need for your short game, but also for putting, you're not going to need much more technical sort of knowledge, as it were, in terms of of, of putting. Well, of course, it's, it's never as, as easy as that. And there's lots of there's lots of sort of angles you can go with putting. You know, if, if your putting is out by one degree, then over ten foot, you're likely to miss a hole. So if you hit the hit the ball, if you've got a ten foot putt, you hit the ball and your face is one degree out either way, then you're like you'll miss the hole. So there are fine margins with it. But technically and physically, putting is something that we can all improve on. It's something I worked really hard on to, to improve my own game. And that really helped my, certainly my stats in terms of my up and downs. You know, if I could, if I could make a good attempt to chip in the ball onto the green, if I happened to, if I missed the green, then, you know, it, I've got a much better chance if I can putt well and and be very consistent with my putting. And it was an interesting thing to sort of see that on the weekend with with Harry Hall, he's actually sort of in the top ten for his putting. And when he looked through his rounds from rounds one through to four in, in the top three, he'd actually he was he'd gained strokes on the field. Now, um, at one point, I think after the first three rounds, he'd gained something like eight strokes on the field just through his putting. And when you see his approach to putting and how he did it, he has he does have quite a quite a lengthy sort of pre-shot routine that he goes through. He uses Aimpoint Express, which is a, a, a way to sort of measure slopes in greens and and adjust your your targets and where you're aiming. Um, But but he'd actually gained eight strokes on on the field um, over the first three rounds. Now, in the fourth round, he'd actually lost almost a stroke to the field in terms of his putting. And it shows the impact that putting can have on for him, obviously, winning a tournament, you know, it wasn't the only reason, but but it, it certainly was part of it. He wasn't making quite as many putts as he was in the first three rounds. He, he, he had a couple of double bogeys on the Saturday, um, but, but he definitely wasn't making the putts that he was, had been making the rest of the week. And when you think of it technically and physically, you know, putting, anybody can become a good putter. Um, It's, it's the the easiest thing that everyone can work on, irrespective of your physical ability, whether or not you're flexible or not. You know, it's, it's one of those things that everybody can work on. And as I said, if if you've got enough enough um, capability to pick up a tennis ball and throw a tennis ball or roll a tennis ball on the ground, you've got enough capability to improve your golf. And no matter who you are, you can do it. And that's why I think it's it's probably f- the the most important part for any average golfer, really, th- the, because we can all work on it at the end of the day. And, and that's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, a lot of us will have putting mats at home so we can work on it at home. Even if you haven't got a putting mat, you can get your putter out, get your ball out, and you can putt on your carpet, provided it's not one of those long shag pile carpets. Um, so it's something that we can all we can all work on. And over the coming sort of weeks, we're going to be putting together some stuff on this we're going to start doing some videos on putting. And we're going to start introducing some hints, tips and a few other bits and pieces into the mix. Um, so that Everybody can work on their putting and look to improve. Um, I've got a couple of people I've been working with recently. Um, I've I've trained now as a, as a certified putting coach, um, and I've been working with a few people now to help them improve. And I'd like to sort of share some of that experience with with uh, everybody on the podcast. Um, so so we're going to be doing that sort of going forward and. We're also going to be putting out a few videos, so there's more to come on that, but um, I think it's just something worth that everyone may just sort of look at, look at your, your own games, look at your your putts and and one thing for everybody to do over the coming sort of the coming weeks really is whenever you're going through a round, just count up the number of the number of putts you make and. And and then just have a little bit of a comparison to give you some some numbers. I do love me numbers, as everybody knows. But um, if if you're a 36 handicap, then on average a 36 handicap typically has 39 to 40 putts per round. Okay, so it's 39 to 40 putts per round. Now a 30 handicap will on average. hits around 39 putts per round. So that's, you know, that's only a shot difference for, for a 30 handicap. Now, if you go down to a 20 handicap, on average, a 20 handicap would shoot around about 35 putts around. Now, think about it this way. If you're a 36 handicapper and you want to get down to 20, how easy do you think it would be to shave just five strokes off your round every round? Now actually that's something that's very achievable for 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 most people, and um, so we're going to focus on some of that over the coming weeks. Um, so that's just a couple of numbers. If you go down to a a 10 handicap, a 10 handicap on average will will shoot around about thirty two putts per round. So you can start to see that there's not actually big drops. In physical numbers, Um, and to make tweaks to your putting is a lot easier to make than sometimes it is to make changes to swings. So, um, just have a little bit of a think about that and um, just track some of your numbers over the coming weeks. See how many putts you do make or you do take, Um, how many one putts you do, how many two putts, how many three putts try to think about these sort of numbers you can scribble them on your scorecard and so you can track your numbers um, and just sort of see. And over the coming sort of weeks to say we're going to do do a little bit of a serious sort of on putting and um, so that everyone sort of can take something away and to, to work on really um, uh, we have also got them to have some some offers coming up as well so related to it so um, so just have a think about that but uh, putting You know, for my mind, I think it's the most important part of the game to work on, particularly if you're a higher handicapper, because it's typically the easiest thing to shave shots off your round. Uh, and that's the the crux of it really Um, it's the easiest thing to shave strokes off your round Um, so um, have a think about that maybe go out and have a bit of practice putting Um, you know just just give it a go and see how you get how you get on over the coming sort of week Um, but we've got more stuff to come on that go going going forward now the uh, other thing i wanted to touch on this week was golf clothes the future of golf clothes it's been a the reason for doing this one is is that now our golf club typically they do like people to be dressed in their in their in their normal sort of uh, golf clothing attire i do think sometimes it, it can be a bit stuffy and i think you can go to certain courses and and again i think you know i think it can put people off going, if you've got to wear the right shoes, the right clothes, you know, it, it becomes a bit of a faff sometimes to sort of do it. And, and prices for golf clothing these days can get really expensive. And, and the question I sort of wanted to ask really was why are some clothes so much more expensive when in actual fact they're made of the same materials, you know, uh, now, and most of it comes down to brand you know, the branding on on clothing will ultimately add a percentage to the price. There's no getting away from it. And and the point in proof here is so we we went to um, our local sort of Primark, which is sort of a it's a how, how do you describe it, Primark in the UK is is a. Um, not a cheap clothing store but they they they're pretty much there they're, they're they're probably at the lower end of the clothing sort of market in terms of prices but they do do some really good stuff in there you um and and just as an example so i picked up a, a hoodie when we were in there and it looked really nice and it was a nice material it's sort of a sports type type hoodie um looked quite quite slick um fitted well and you know it was good quality it was quite it's fair it was quite thick but it was thin as well it that doesn't sound right it was quite thick but thin sounds more like me really but um um it was actually it was it was a it was a reasonable quality of material um it wasn't really thick as in a winter sort of hoodie but it was enough to sort of keep you warm, um, but you could also exercise in it as well. So it's that sort of type of a hoodie. Now, I picked that up and, and my son said that it was a complete rip off of a Nike hoodie that a friend of his had bought that cost him over 100 quid. Um, and and we actually we actually saw this this hoodie, uh, saw it online, and it was something like £125, this hoodie. and. I kid you not, it was it was virtually the same. Even the material itself was very, very similar um, in terms of feel. um, uh, And the only difference really was the fact that the other one that cost over £100 had the tick on it. Um, And also the design was very slightly so the design on the hoodie that was only in this case was only 18 pound was a straight line across, whereas on the Nike hoodie, it went up at an angle. And that was literally the only difference, the the feel for it, the comfort of it. It was all very similar Um, and and it just goes to show that, you know, branding has such an impact on the price of materials and and it really and i suppose all the time that people are prepared to pay for the name or the logo there are always going to be those expensive items you look at um was it burberry it was burberry that was it so i also i actually went for a job with them um, or applied for a, a job with burberry and um i actually um as part of my applying for the job i actually went and looked on on their website looked at the price of some of their clothes and to give you an example some of their fred perry's were over 300 pound for a fred perry something that i could get something that was of similar quality um but just didn't have the burberry name on for less than 20 quid and and it was that alone that actually put me off applying for the job um i felt that i i just couldn't justify Working for a business that had the gall to charge people three hundred pound for a Fred Perry, um, and you know, I, I I just and I suppose that's part of sort of why I sort of did this was that you know there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there that that puts people off playing golf, uh, and I do wonder if sometimes the price of clothing and that does it because you know everyone wants to be with the Joneses and 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 wear the same as everybody else is. Whereas actually, you know, they don't have to um, and shouldn't have to. Um, and and I suppose it's a bit of a bugbear at the moment. I think the way the economy is, you know, it's it's, it's difficult and and people shouldn't have to be put off playing golf because of the cost. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and in my opinion, I think that that all golf clubs, I think if they have a range for one, should allow people to go and practice and not have to wear golf clothing that's one big bug bear for me is if i want to go and play uh, practice at my at my golf club and on and on their and on their range i typically have to wear golf clothes so i have to get changed just to go and practice whereas if i'm at home and i've got a tracksuit on or something i could just quite as easily go down to a range just down the road and practice there and do that and i think that in my opinion, all golf clubs, if they've got a range, no matter what type of club they are, should allow people to to go and not even have to wear golf clothing. Um, you know, I just think I think it, it puts people off. And um I think that there's a lot of a lot of golf clubs could, could wake up to that, I think. Um, you know several times i've i've thought about going and practicing at my, practicing at my own golf club you know using their their range balls and, and whatever and, and they would get money for doing that because you pay for, to use range balls for a lot of places um and they, they've lost some of that income but also it's just put me off having to go and practice uh, which is a shame really and i think there's there's a lot to be said for that but um yeah so i just wanted to cover that off a little bit you know <clears throat> i do like dress smart and be a little bit coordinated when i I go and play um and i do like some of the nice nice gear and that don't get me wrong um but i think it can be done um a more affordable price and um uh, the other brand i've started to wear quite a bit of is druids golf they do lots of good deals um and and their 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 quality of their clothing is good is really good and but it's not up not as expensive as the likes of, you know, Peter Miller, FootJoy and, and and all of these. I, I do have some Footjoy stuff, don't get me wrong, but um I think that, you know, the only reason they're, you know, it's it's so expensive is because they pay pay all these top players to wear their their kit. You know, so they've got to be able to justify the cost and I suppose that's how they get the money back is um you know the millions they spend sponsoring these top players ultimately they have to get that back in one way and that comes through price um it's a bit of a shame um but it is the way of the world these days and um but uh, that's my two penneth on on golf clothes in the future so um i i think it should be more relaxed hoodies have come back in hoodies have come back in um you know and hoodies are, are, are a a big thing these days a lot of people wear hoodies on the course i do now um and a lot of other people you see doing it so maybe there's there's a way forward where more casual wear will be allowed um on more golf courses um hopefully it will be but we'll we'll watch this space for that one uh, and that's it for this week's podcast really um i did say for those that, that stuck it out through to the end uh thank you for doing that and um i've got a um a free sort of giveaway um i'm always talking about different tips and, and different things that we can all do to help and improve our golf and um i've put together a guide on on well it's nine tips really on on how to play well under pressure. Um you can download a free copy of the guide if you go to howtopractice.com forward slash free. Um and um we're probably going to add some other things into that page at, at some point but um if you go to it I'll put a link um onto the profile it's howtopractice.com forward slash free. You can download the free nine tips guide for playing well under pressure there. Um, and that's it for this week um, thanks for listening as always if you've got some value from this or any of the episodes please share the episode with at least one other golfer so we can help as many people as possible and sort of build up the, uh, the, the how to practice community if you're listening on Spotify you can post any questions or comments in the Q&A section uh, if you're not listening on Spotify anybody can send any comments or feedback to golf at howtopractice.com We publish episodes every Monday or Tuesday and uh, I'd love for we can sort of really start to uh, grow this this community and uh, we've got a lot more stuff coming up. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. Hope everybody has good weeks and um, we'll catch up with everybody next week. Thanks all.